This is Let Your Voice Be Heard, right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. If you are wondering what the hell I am talking about, well, guys, I helped to write a stage play. It is called Doughboy. We did a show yesterday at Home Sweet Harlem, right across the street from City College. Shout out to Home Sweet Harlem. And they didn't show up. You know why? Because they were busy, but they did donate tickets. So I love you guys. And if you are wondering what you're listening to right now, this is Let Your Voice Be Heard, as I mentioned before. And we just finished a very interesting conversation about religious hospitals who refuse to provide certain services because of their religious beliefs but now we are at the news roundup where we talk about our favorite stories throughout the week things that made us laugh cry curse spit flip a table or maybe drink some uh, i don't know jameson fireball on a friday <laughs> in the office but not selena just me Alyssa. so guys i have a very interesting story to tell you guys a news story in particular this radio show called let your voice be heard radio it's also a podcast or at least one of their host calls it a podcast they won an award this week the New York Press Association awarded them for best commentary on a um, on a social issue. That's right. Let your voice be heard. One. So Stanley is talking about the award that we won from the <laughs> New York Press Club um, for in, in 2016. We're very happy and proud. And, and shout out to the New York Press Club for honoring us. They have a formal ceremony on mm. June 6th, I believe, yes. where we will be presented with a plaque. And recognition. So if you no. want to make a donation to let your voice be heard radio. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's big news, and I'm very happy about that. Yes, and before we continue, guys, there is no way we would have, we would have been able to win this award without the WHCR, the support from the station, the support from all you listeners, because this is not like some rinky-dink award. We beat out NPR. We beat out major stations, CNN, major publications, this small radio show full of half-drunk former college students and Selena beat out today. <laughs> beat out beat out all these super radio stations with awesome staffs who have a huge budget and here we are just trying to get internet connection in the, in the studio thank you thank you so yeah. you know you want to make a donation to us yeah <laughs> yeah. Wow. so if you want to help with the internet or help us get some more awards please donate at whcr.org go to donate tell them let your voice be heard sent you there you go alright well well, this is a news roundup, and uh, guys, if you also want to tune in, I mean, if you want to chime into some of the stories that you heard that may have irked you, made you happy, now's the time to do that, and you can call us up at 212-650-6903. I think Alyssa wanted to share a news story. Yeah, yeah, I got one. So uh, this is a major, major development. This week, Pfizer, which is the last remaining Food and Drug Administration-approved source of lethal injection drugs, has decided that they are going to stop selling these drugs for use in executions, oh. and that states that want to continue to carry out lethal injections will have to quote unquote go underground in the words of an expert quoted in the New York Times and acquire the substances from straw purchasers or from overseas and or from compounding pharmacies that are not totally federally federally regulated. That does not sound good. We saw what happened when Oklahoma tried to make their own lethal injection. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but that also was... at the same time, like, at the same time, Pfizer's like, you know, we're getting out of the game. We're, yeah. You, know, you want to execute it? People do it without us. You know, I commend them because I think that they're taking a moral stance, right? They're they're following their conscience. Um, and I think that, you know, the death penalty. They're not following their conscience. Let's be very clear about this. I mean, this. they, they this have to all... be losing money. No, so why that, would they that's make this why decision? they're not doing it because they're not making money off of it anymore. That's why. That, they, this is 
is nothing about conscious. They have made money off of this for years, Selena. You, one day, after making millions and billions of dollars, they're going to go, you know what? I'm tired of being rich. Let's just stop doing this. <laughs> no. well, I, I think that that's a fine point, but there is some evidence to suggest that pharmaceutical manufacturers have gradually stopped supplying the drugs as evidence has built that lethal injections can be unpredictable and inhumane. So, it, it, yes, I do think that there, when there's not a monetary incentive, but also when you start getting pressured by activists and activist right. investors um, and you are threatened of being sued for liability in the event that an accusation goes wrong, then that's another. Well, that also has to do with money, though. Yeah, yes. those but are huge factors. Those are all factors. So we shouldn't just say it's one factor. There's numerous different factors. You guys factors. can be optimistic about it. It's all about the dollar bill. But you but, know what? I can, I can tell you that there's at least one group that's not going to mind if their weapons are used in an execution, and that's the people that make guns and yeah. ammunition. So if the federal government or the states are smart they would and they want to keep the death penalty, they're probably going to have to go back to something like the firing squad. That's horrible. Because, no, it is hard. I mean, it is horrible. But like I said, you know, weapons manufacturers, they're not going to take moral positions like Pfizer. They yeah. sell guns. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, well, well, speaking of guns and gun violence, I wanted to bring up a heart-wrenching story about a 22-year-old young man named Lee McCullen. Um, who was just shot down. But the reason why this story is so traumatizing is because, um, so CNN put out a documentary called Chicagoland a few years ago, mm-hmm. and one of the people featured in this in the um, documentary was Lee McCullen while he was a teenager. Mm. Now, when he entered high school, he was gang-banging, he was involved in gangs, he lived in the south side of Chicago, but with resources and the help of um, his teachers, and especially his principal, he managed to... Um, he managed to actually get on the honor roll, join the basketball team, and he graduated as prom king, mm. and he got accepted to college. And in the documentary, you hear his principal saying, look, you better go to college. You better, you need to take these steps because I don't want to go to your funeral. I don't want to end up, I don't want to end up, you, I don't want to see you dead. And then he talks about how he doesn't have like a lot of choices and a lot of hope, but this, this step and, you know, going to school and actually having like the, um, the prospect of going to college really helped him. So, it turns out that he did get accepted, but he never enrolled. Three Mm. weeks ago, he watched his girlfriend be fatally shot right next to him, right? And then on Thursday, he died from a bullet to the head on the streets of Chicago. And I was just like so overwhelmed because I remember watching this documentary. There's this young, attractive guy. I mean, well, no, I'm just saying he's charismatic. He had a lot going for himself. And no, he did. He had a lot going for himself and he could have really did anything and he wound up dying. And I'm like, you know what? When it comes to gun violence, we talked about, we we, we persecute and we talk about obviously people like George Zimmerman and then we talk about police brutality and, you know, we have Black Lives Matter, but there, the homicide rate in Chicago and in the country has peaked just in 2016 and we're not putting enough attention to gang violence and the fact that people of color are killing other people of color. So when we had Larry Elder on the show, I said something to him while I was reading him and I said that when you people you want to perpetuate it and make it seem like that when I'm able to get out of like a place like East New York or Brownsville, it's because I just worked harder and I'm smarter mm-hmm. or I'm better than the people there. I'm not. A lot of people there are brilliant. They have so much potential. They just cannot get out. Right. And that is why. How the hell do you climb out of a cage with no footsteps in it and other people pulling you down and that includes the people in your neighborhood and the people in the system and the, and the people who are supposed to protect you? And we have a serious issue with like police violence and also like um, and violence in our own communities. But you have to ask yourself the question, 
Why? Like, why is there so much violence? Why is there so much fighting? This didn't just happen. These people aren't just, like, naturally violent and murderous. There's something very wrong going on in the city of Chicago. And But, you know, and I also just want to give a shout-out to all of the people who are doing a lot of work in Chicago yeah. um, b- because there are a number of organizations, um, you know, dedicating resources to help them. And then you also have a number of... Um, like mainstream movies, we had yeah. Chirac, which was produced by Spike Lee, that talked mm-hmm. about the issues in Chicago. And even the latest barbershop, it's located in Chicago, and they talk about these issues. So there are people doing, a, a, you know, on the grounds there every single day, and people are paying attention. But it's, I mean, it has not curbed the homicide rate. I'll say that. It, unfortunately, it hasn't because, you know what, you need jobs training, rehabilitation, proper funding for schools, and not Rahm Emanuel closing down schools and libraries all over Chicago. But listen, guys, I don't want to talk about this subject too much because just as you're getting upset about this, there's something more to be upset about. Alyssa, tell us about Zimmerman. Oh, no, I, we're getting to that. I thought we were We're not getting to that yet. We're going to come back to the Zimmerman thing in a second. I actually um, uh, wanted to mention that if you did not listen to our two-part episode on Chicago, uh, we did two great segments on that. I believe that was at the end of last year uh, in December of two. 2015. You should definitely check those two episodes out. You can get those online at lyvbh.com or on iTunes podcast, LYVBH radio. Um, before we get to George Zimmerman, the story that I have is actually, as you know, we continue to address this issue about bathrooms. I did a great right. quickie on it last week. Um, but now we have another new development, which is actually this week. So since I did my quickie last week, this week, the Obama administration made its stance about transgender rights clear it, uh, to public schools across the country. It sent a letter telling all districts that it must allow transgender students to use the bathrooms that match their gender identity. The directive is not a law, but it is a threat that the federal government will bring lawsuits or will take away federal funding and federal aid from these schools if they do not comply. The move came at the end of the week, and it also um, you know, comes after, as I mentioned, the Department of Justice threatening to sue North Carolina over access to their public restrooms. And this is more people using their religious their religion and their ignorance and their bigotry to try to fight against just basic common sense laws. And I'm glad that the government is doing the right thing. Yeah, and I think President Obama took a, a pivotal step um, and, and even voicing and speaking out about it. Um, you know, we definitely commend him for getting involved in this issue. I know we do have a caller on the line who would like to let his voice be heard. We have Greg. Yes, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yes, I, don't, I have a short time to to state this here, but I, I don't want to disrespect the officer that um, that blew us up, blew us um, blew us up away uh, for whatever reason. I think that you know we you are speaking about guns and stuff like this here. Um, what would make a person in such a responsible position like that cash in the chips? You know the pressure that's that these the, the police officers are under. You know what is going on with the pressures you know, that they're really actually, you know, contending with, you know, that's imploding. Not the external pressures from the, you know, from the public, the internal pressures that they're actually dealing with that's being unaddressed, that um, people in those positions, the military or police officers that's going through, mm-hmm. that they're not handling it, and to, to blow his own self away like that, uh, we I don't have all the information. I'll back up on the story. Was it a breakup of, of, of his wife? Left him or no? No, actually, it's nature? because he's being investigated by the FBI for corruption, for potentially being corrupt and committing, um, you know, civil rights violations, but also potentially taking, uh, you know, 
taking money and committing crimes himself and being a criminal. And the FBI started to get close and they came and visited him once and they investigated him and they told him they were going to come back. And obviously, and I'm not going to speculate either, but when somebody kills themselves in that position, it has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with the pressures they feel about the job. What it has to do with is the fact that they're probably guilty because usually innocent people don't blow their brains out in a car when the FBI comes to visit them. They do it because they actually know they're about to get caught with something. So as far as I'm concerned, this is not somebody who just was overwhelmed by being a police officer and took their own life because of the stresses of the job. This is somebody who was overwhelmed about the fact that they may be getting indicted and they were going to go to jail for committing a criminal act. Yeah, and we never want to see someone die, but like, let's, we need to be very honest about and clear-eyed about what this is about. So we do have another caller on the line, Brianna, and she wanted to comment on the bathroom law, so I wanted to let her voice be heard because we haven't had much callers on this topic. Brianna? Yes, hello. Yes, I'm, I'm calling in regarding how the females in Harlem and all us women feel about the bathroom issue. We feel like Obama has overstated his boundaries and that the women are not being heard and we're being shut out and that we feel like Obama is coming on like a slave master. You know, he's reminding us of what slavery was like and that they're dictating morals and everything to people, and we're sick of it. Females are willing to not use bathrooms. We're willing not going because we're not going for it, period. Thank you so much for that, Brianna. So this is going to I just actually to wanted to clarify. Um, so you live in New York City. Well, then you'll be uh, happy or maybe not happy to know that this has actually been the law in New York City since 2003. We didn't need any directive from President Obama. In New York City, you can use any bathroom that you identify as. And my feeling is if you don't like that, then you can leave New York City. This is a great city. It's a pretty liberal city. Um, and this really has nothing to do with, with the president, at least with respect to this city. Uh, what the president is saying is that we have young teenagers killing themselves, killing themselves because people are calling them freaks and perverts when in reality there's nothing actually wrong with them. And guess what? There's been zero instances of anybody ever being attacked in a bathroom by a trans person. So, so. Brianna, I just wanted to respond real quick so I understand where you're coming from and we thank you for letting your voice be heard. But I should let you know, like Alyssa mentioned, this has been a law in New York for almost 15 years now and also there's almost no reports of someone coming into a woman's bathroom and trying to assault them. And if there was a law that stopped the opposite sex from going to the bathroom or the perceived opposite sex from going into the bathroom, it wouldn't matter because we have plenty of gun laws in New York and we still have a gun problem here. Well, so but let's, let's be cognizant of that. Thank you for letting your voice be heard. I would challenge you to just do a little more research and find out what's really going on behind this issue. Absolutely. Well, speaking of gun problems here, I wanted to bring up the fact that George Zimmerman, the gun that he used to kill 17-year-old Trayvon Martin, has, be re- has been relisted for auction under um, after the original listing appeared to be hijacked um, by fake accounts um, earlier this week. And then this re- this is being reported by ABC. So now the starting bid for the ju- the gun that George Zimmerman used to kill Trey Martin is $100,000 with a $500,000 buy it now This is ridiculous. Price. Now the gun, the title of the listing is George Zimmerman's gun used 2-26-12. That is the date Trayvon Martin died. He also categorizes the gun as an American icon. So let me just say something. Oh. I don't wish death on anyone, but if there was a plane crash and a plane crash into a building and there were 100 people in a building, but only one person died and that person was George Zimmerman. And while he was dying, an explosion happened and it only affected him. I wouldn't be sad. 
<laughs> I mean, well, on top of that, he also said that the proceeds will be used to fight violence against police officers by the Black Lives Matter movement. So he is planning to use this money to, to, to uh, fight Black uh, Lives Matter. And Hillary Clinton. And Hillary Clinton. That's true. Yes. Which is like so perverse because, you know, like George Zimmerman is a minority himself. I wonder if he changed him to nah, if he got shot by a cop. I mean, honestly, I, I really, honestly, as a white Latino man, like he who identifies and, and, and look as white and he has that privilege. I don't like I don't. You can call him my minority, but when he walks through the store or tries to get a cab, I don't think that he's going to be burdened with the same issues that darker skin or brown skin minorities oh, that have. That white privilege held him out in court real that's good. That's true. Yeah. I would agree with you on that. All I'm saying is, like, you know, you always find, you always feel one way until it happens to you, right? It wouldn't happen to George Zimmerman. You, you it, say that, if, but you're, you're making a conclusion that it wouldn't happen. That's not necessarily What wouldn't true. happen to George Zimmerman exactly? Like, you, you I, know, he, what, she's what, saying he wouldn't get shot by the police. No, hey, that's I'm, not what I'm saying. That's okay, not what I'm saying. That's what I was talking about. Oh, oh, okay. so what what I was saying is that if somebody shot and killed Zor- um, George, George Zimmerman hopefully. and the shoe was on the other foot, mm-hmm. that person would have went to jail. That person would not be free, especially if that person was black, like Trayvon Martin. If Trayvon Martin would have survived, he would not be free and being he would not have the privilege of using the gun he shot George Zimmerman to, to auction it off and gain hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. And I don't think that George Zimmerman is at the same risk that Trayvon Martin had just by walking down the street. No, I don't think privilege. he's at the same risk either. I think he does have an immense amount of privilege. That's not what I was saying. What I was saying is it's, you know, you always feel one way until the shoe is on the other foot. So he can say that he's going to use the money to fight against Black Lives Matter. But if he was in, ever in a position mm-hmm. where he was on the other side of that coin, I mm-hmm. bet you he would change his tune. Listen, That's what I was saying. I don't wish death on anyone, but if someone stands their ground on George Zimmerman, I may not be sad we do have a caller on the line i want to let her let her voice be heard miss deborah tell yeah. us to us i gotta us- run but i just wanted to say it's not his white skin privilege that saved him it was his father's white skin privilege that saved him and i have seen quite a few people on uh some of these manhattan cable stations who were latino and they they were laughing about black people because they didn't understand why they were so upset because um, they said Zimmerman is not uh, white; he's a Latino. Mm. You know, it, it's very, you know, uh, I don't believe that this man, that this is the first man that he's killed. I really don't. And when you look at him, and you look at how he looks, and you look at Trayvon, you know, it's almost as if he's jealous. Right. And he went after. He said they always get away. I mean. These people seem like, you know, they they were not upset when he did what he did, or they were surprised. You know, when they drove him in and when the, when he got out of the car, they didn't seem surprised. And his uncle, am I still there? Yes, yeah, yes, we're listening. Yeah, his uncle said, "Oh, I knew that that wasn't him uh, on on the on the on the uh, on the internet." I, I'm like to myself, first of all. You can't see him from that far in the dark. Right. You can't see him. You know what I mean? I mean, they just dropped the ball. They dropped the, they dropped the mic. They dropped the mic on Trayvon. That's what they did. And they walked. Right. But he's going to get his. And I hope his wife gets it. If they, I'm going to send you some Hennessy if he gets it. <laughs> directly Stanley, to that's Stanley. right. Because his wife lied. She lied about them not having money when they had money. And then it wasn't until he started running around with someone else 
and beating up her father that it became an issue. Right. No, you're very right, Ms. Deborah. So we, we do have to cut this conversation short because we're running behind schedule. But I'd, I'll just say one thing about this matter, and I guess we'll, we'll move on. George Zimmerman is a horrible human being, and there are plenty of you people who defended him and demonized Trayvon Martin. I hope you enjoy eating your words as he shows his true colors every single day, and his true colors are the color of crap, just so you guys know. So... Just on that, yeah, and on that note, we do have to take a quick break. But when we come back, we have a very special guest on the line, and we'll be speaking about America's drug addiction to prescription drugs right here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Can't pick aside the Gemini, prophesize if we live or not. Promise mama not to fit them by. Seen black turn them burgundy. WHCR 90.3 FM, New York. Can't you please pray for me? Get God on the phone. Said it won't be long. I see jiggaboos. I see styrofoams. My hood going brazen. Where did we go wrong? I see jiggaboos. Hi, this is Sister Virginia Cotton, and I'll take you to that place every Tuesday morning from 6 to 10 in the a.m. on the Gospel Legends Program. We'll lift the Savior and take a trip down memory lane. How far back will I go? Tune in on Tuesday morning, WHCR 90.3 FM from 6 to 10 in the a.m. And don't forget the website. That's the three W's dot WHCR dot I'm so excited.